Round the cauldron, thrice we go, moving fast and moving slow. Potions bubble, candles burn, as the wheel begins to turn. Truth we seek and truth we know, embers of the fire glow. Spirit, join me in this space. Join me in a warm embrace. for joining me for this episode of Round the Cauldron. I'm your host, Megan, here to shed light on life as a modern Wiccan. This podcast is produced every Monday to bring knowledge of Wicca to those who seek it. Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Round the Cauldron, on Twitter at Round the Cauldron without the D, and at my website, roundthecauldron.com, where you will also find show notes and links for each episode. If you like what you hear, feel free to leave me a review wherever you listen. You can also help support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to episode six. I think it's episode six of Round the Cauldron. Um, Before we get into today's episode, I just have a little announcement, and you guys have probably already figured it out if this episode goes up when I plan on it. And that is that I'm going to try to get these episodes out once a week instead of once every other week. Um, we'll see We'll see how it goes with me working a full-time job and being a mom. And then we're going to be moving next month, I believe. So, we'll see. <laughs> so today's episode is going to be about the Wheel of the Year. Now the wheel of the wheel, the wheel of the wheel, haha, the wheel of the year in Wicca describes our holidays, or we call them sabbats, and there are eight of them, and they're pretty much evenly spaced out throughout the year. Um, so the wheel of the year is basically a modern innovation um, based off of ancient and not so ancient festivals. There are um, the celebrations of the equinoxes, of the solstices, and the cross-quarter days. So a cross-quarter day is a celebration of one of our Sabbaths that does not fall on a solstice or an equinox. And the one that is most recent is Imolk, which this year is on um, February 1st or... February 2nd, uh, depending on your tradition. And a lot of the celebrations that that we partake in on our Sabbaths have ancient roots. Um, a lot of them are connected to some sort of Celtic or Germanic mythology, um, but not all of them are. And um, that, that goes along with the names. So like since the adoption of the Wheel of the Year, most of the names of the Sabbaths are either Celtic or Germanic in nature, even if that Sabbath has nothing to do with those 
cultures or the peoples from the culture. Um, and then uh, the, the original Celts actually celebrated four fire festivals. And these are, these are the cross-corner days. So these are the Sabbaths that we celebrate that aren't on a solstice or equinox. These are going to be Samhain, Imolc, Beltane, and Lunasan, um, or Lamas, depending on your tradition. And I have a quote here from a, a book written by Raymond Buckland. This is his book, Buckland's Complete Guide of Witchcraft. And it sort of describes the difference between celebrating the Esbats, which are the full moons, and then celebrating the Sabbaths. <clears throat> It says, as the goddess is honored with the phases of the moon, so is the god at certain phases of the sun. These are the lesser Sabbaths that occur at the summer and winter solstice and the spring and autumn equinox. The four greater Sabbaths are more in the nature of seasonal rather than specifically solar festivals and are therefore times for general celebration with both god and goddess duly honored. So... It, it essentially describes that the moon the moon is the time that we sort of celebrate, revere, and worship the goddess. And then the god has his own times at the Sabbaths. Now it's important to remember that Buckland's complete book of witchcraft was written, written for his specific tradition and not necessarily all of Wicca. So some of this can, can vary depending on the tradition that you partake in, if you partake in any. So let's talk a little bit first about what a solstice is and what an, equ what an um, equinox is. So scientifically speaking, a solstice is a point in time when the sun reaches its highest or lowest point in the sky. And it brings about the longest and shortest day and night of the year. And typically these are the times that uh, herald in the start of summer and winter. Now an equinox is actually a point in time where the day and the night are equal. And this brings in the start of spring and autumn. So within Wicca... Each Sabbath has a correlation to the god and goddess, and since Wicca is nature-based and seasonal, it makes sense that we would follow along with the seasonal Sabbaths and celebrations of significance. So, what are the Sabbaths? I mean, there's eight of them, so we sort of, you know, I gotta, I have to talk about each one. <laughs> um, the Sabbaths are... Uh, Samhain, Yule, Imolc, Ostara, Beltane, Litha, Lunasad, and Mavon. And it's important to remember as I go through each of these Sabbaths and talk a little bit about them, that the dates are going to be opposite for anyone that it, that is practicing in the Southern Hemisphere, which makes sense because the seasons are opposite. So in the Northern Hemisphere, when it's winter, it is summer in the Southern Hemisphere. So we, we wouldn't really have the whole world celebrating Yule and the coming of winter um, or the, the end of winter at, at one time because not everybody is ending winter at that same time. So let's start 
with the first one. The first one is Samhain. And a lot of people pronounce this differently. Um, For one, if you don't know the etymology of the word, you're not going to know how to pronounce it. It's it's literally spelled like Samhain, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. Um, but etymology, but it's etymology, and the origin of the word is it's pronounced Samhain. So Samhain is celebrated in the northern hemisphere on the night that most people celebrate Halloween. Uh, it's celebrated from sundown on October 31st to sundown on November 1st. And <clears throat> historically, this was actually the, the last day of the calendar year to the Celts. And it was a time when the, um, the grazing days for cattle were over, herds were put away for winter, or they were separated for preparation for slaughter. So, Samhain is actually closely linked with death, and at this time, farmers had taken the last of their crops and gave the excess back to the mother for the new year. In Wicca, Samhain is the third and final of the harvest festivals. At the time of death in the earth, when the final crops have been harvested and saved for winter. Now, like, like the death of the earth, Samhain is also a time for honoring those that have gone before us. It's, it's at this time of year that the veil between the worlds is thinnest, and it allows for better communication from this world to the next and receiving messages from our ancestors, our spirit guides, the divine, the universe, the god and goddess, those sort of things. Uh, It's also been called the Witch's New Year. That might seem strange to have the beginning of the year in the fall, but it it makes sense if you think about it on a deeper level. You know, it's it's a time of death, but not only for crops and herds, but for the days as well. This is the time of the year when our days get shorter and the nights start to get longer. It gets colder in most places, and we can essentially we can feel that there's a change coming Uh, things are dying and with that dying comes new beginnings it's a time for us to really think about our hopes and dreams for the coming year and really allow for um, a sort of death on our part Um, whether that be mental emotional spiritual whatever that that makes way for us to have a new beginning. So at Samhain, the goddess is in her in her crone form and she begins her descent with the god into the underworld. Now, she is the old one who brings us wisdom from the year that has passed and really allows us to let go of the things that are holding us back. Now, the god is in the form of the ancient one following the goddess to the underworld to recuperate and be reborn. The ancient one, like the crone, brings us wisdom beyond our years and really a knowledge of life after death. So how do you celebrate? How do you celebrate Salin? <laughs> um, there's a lot of the thing there's a lot of things that you can do on Salin and um, 
most people, since it is associated with death and ancestors, a lot of people perform um, divination, they commune with their ancestors and commune with the divine, whether that be for messages, comfort, divine intervention, what have you, that's all up to the practitioner. Um, however, not everyone knows their ancestors or not everyone has anybody that they know who has passed on. And I think that's okay because even though you might not know who they are, you still have ancestors out there. And this is really a time of the year that they roam closest to the veil and they can easily pass on their messages to you. A lot of the correspondences and associations for Samhain have to do with the life cycle, uh, specifically death. It's the last harvest. Um, colors that are associated with this season are, you know, oranges, reds, yellows, really deep colors, um, obviously pumpkins, and then divination. So you can celebrate Samhain by, by setting up an ancestor altar, you know, decorate your altar with items that are passed down from your family, um, pictures of past loved ones, and images of things that remind you of your ancestry. You can meditate in front of this altar and really take the time to be silent and receive the messages that they need to give to you. You can also light a white candle and place it in the window. This was, this was done in, in ancient times to guide the spirits when the veil is thin so that they can find their way through the darkness. Um, and then there's another thing, it's called a, a dumb supper. And it's something I hadn't heard about actually until a couple of years ago. Um, but it's pretty interesting. And I think I first heard about a dumb supper when I was listening to the podcast New World Witchery. Uh, with Corey and Lane. If you haven't listened to them, you guys totally should. I will leave a link in the show notes. Um, but a, a dumb supper, <laughs> it's not a stupid dinner. <laughs> it's actually a, a dinner that is prepared and eaten in total silence with an empty place setting or two or three. Um, in total silence, the dead, as well as the Lord and the lady, um, are invited to feast with you for the evening. Now, let me say this, the, a dumb supper doesn't always include a deity. It doesn't have to. It just depends on your tradition and how you practice. Not everybody is going to sit down for a dumb supper and invite their ancestors and their deities to have dinner at the same table, um, just so you know. So the meal is made, um, places are set, including plates for the physically empty seats. It's really a time of reflection and communication between the living and dead, and it should be eaten in total silence. There should be no talking between guests, um, as it actually interrupts the spirits who will be joining you. So, as such, it's not a dinner to have with children unless they can maintain total silence throughout the dinner. Something else that's a little easier to do is just to take a nature walk, you know, go walk through the park, or if it's something that you have access to, go on like a hiking trail, and just really experience the life cycle firsthand, the cycle of birth, 
life, death, and rebirth because it's in nature itself. Um, reflect on the time that's passed since the start of spring and really know in your heart that the death of the plants happens to make way for new life to come forward. So the next habit is Yule. Oh, I forgot to mention, I'm sorry guys. So Samhain is celebrated for us in the Northern Hemisphere um, from sundown on October 31st to sundown on November 1st. But in the Southern Hemisphere, it is celebrated from sundown April 30th to sundown May 1st. Totally forgot to mention that, my bad guys. Um, so the next Sabbath is Yule. Um, it's also the winter solstice, so depending on how you practice, you can use either name. <clears throat> now, Yule in the Northern Hemisphere is, is typically celebrated between December 20th through December 23rd. Um, and that's just because the date varies. Since it is a solstice, it is literally an astronomical event and the the date and exact time for that does change every year um, now opposite in the southern hemisphere those date ranges are june 20th through june 24th so december in the northern hemisphere and june in the southern so for those of us in the northern hemisphere yule is typically celebrated around the same time as the christian holiday of christmas um, but they're two distinctly they're two distinct holidays. Um, so Yule is the time of the year that the God as ancient one has died and he is now being reborn as the newborn son. His, his light as the ancient one was dimming during the winter months as all plant life has died. But now it's, it's really a time for a celebration of his life as he returns as the newborn son. Um, to essentially make the earth ready for the coming of spring. The goddess as the crone has also died and returns as the maiden, also awaiting spring. Um, so since Yule is a celebration of the return of God and nature's renewal, it's actually it's a really good time for new beginnings, self-examination, a chance to discover the seeds of spiritual growth or lack of within us. Um, though death was celebrated during the last Sabbath, we we can we can see now uh, the the celebration of new life, and historically dances and feasts were actually very common on this day as people welcomed the new dawn. So the word Yule is actually thought to come from a Scandinavian term that means wheel, but there's also some speculation about the term coming from the old English word for jolly. Um, the exact etymology of the words unknown and debated um, so take that however you want um, in the ancient times the the winter solstice was very significant as it actually represented the time of the year when the days began to grow longer light would return and for for our ancestors this was actually really important to them because they knew the longer days were coming and longer days meant more light which meant spring was coming and new life was getting ready to come through um, with their agriculture and their herds. 
evergreen was and still is used to decorate the homes um, and that's that's for a couple of reasons so evergreen was actually thought to be a protection against death and um, against ill will because it actually it keeps its green color year-round it's it was very common to find evergreen in all homes and therefore many modern decorations include holly ivy and mistletoe um, feasting at the season was actually also done for several reasons. They include one, to acknowledge the return of the season by eating well, to give physical manifestation to the hope for the new season. Um, two, it was a way to alleviate boredom due to the inactivity of the winter months. And three, the elaborate Yule activities of the nobles of the Middle Ages actually develop into status symbols where households would basically compete with each other for the best acts of generosity given to their communities. So I think this might be where like, the giving of gifts comes from, either on Yule or Christmas. So there are several ways that you can celebrate Yule, and um, there's, there's several correspondences as well. So you've got the newborn sun, you have life after death, You've got the colors like white, gold, green, um, and yellow, red. Then, obviously, you've got the evergreens, the, the plant life. And then you have the, um, the ideas of generosity and compassion. However that, however, that plays a role in your life and your celebration. So there's... There's some ways to celebrate Yule, and those are going to be, like, uh, start your day early, get up before the rise of the sun, uh, and essentially be a, be a part, be a witness to the rebirth of the sun. You know, have your breakfast as the sun is rising, give a toast to the sun, and give an offering to the god for his strong return. You can also light a candle at sunrise and let it burn all the way down, if you can. Um, birthday candles are great for this because they're small and they don't take forever to burn down and this is to essentially encourage the sun's rebirth and let the god know that you're cheering him on and then you have the yule log so the night before you can burn a yule log in your fireplace if you've got one um, or Nowadays, I've seen it where many Wiccans and pagans that celebrate Yule actually create a Yule log themselves. Um, the Yule log, is, it's traditionally cut from an oak tree, but in the modern times, I find it acceptable to use the tools that you've got on hand. Um, if you'll be burning your log in the fireplace, you can decorate it with colored ribbons and evergreens. Just make sure that whatever you decorate the log with is safe to burn. Because I know there's some um, man-made materials and even some plant materials that the smoke is toxic. So just double check that what you're burning is safe. Um, so if you're going to be decorating a log with candles... There's a little more preparation that has to go into that, but I mean, it's, it's manageable if you've got the time. Just make sure that the log is flat enough to stand without wobbling because, you know, you don't, 
You don't want it to tip over and catch anything on fire when the candles are in it and lit. So traditionally, it says that there were three candles, one for the god, one for the goddess, and one for the representation of the newborn sun. Um, and a, lo a lot of people find this to be more accommodating for modern life because not everybody has a house, not everyone has a fireplace, and it's something that can be used every year without having to really discard it. So the next holiday, the next Sabbath, is Imolk. In the Northern Hemisphere, Imolk was celebrated on February 2nd, and in the Southern Hemisphere, it's celebrated on August 2nd. So the word Imolk is thought to have come from an old Irish word that means used milk. Um, it's also thought that the, that the word itself, Imolk, literally translates to in the belly, but I haven't been able to find any sort of scholarly scholarly evidence of that. Um, Google Translate's not really good for that sort of thing. <clears throat> Either way, it's a really fitting name for the Sabbath because at Imolk we're celebrating the return of the spring. Imolk is one of the four Celtic fire festivals, the others being Beltane, Samhain, and Lunasad. And the ancient Celts celebrated this day as the coming of spring when their herds would start to produce offspring and the farmers would actually go back to work in their fields. Um, the origins of this Sabbath, though, date back to Neolithic times. We know this, or speculated at best, because the inner chamber of the Mound of Hostages at the Hill of Tara in Ireland is actually aligned with the rising sun on Samhain and Imbolc. And the Mound of Hostages was built around 5,000 years ago in the year 3000 BC. So this is something that's been going on for a while. And even if they didn't celebrate it as massively as some of the other festivals, we know that they at least paid attention to it because of the way they built that specific monument. So in Wicca, Imolg is a time of fertility. It's the season of the goddess as the maiden, as she prepares herself for the growth and renewal of earth. Um, and traditionally, the Celtic fire goddess Bridget was, and still is, celebrated um, for she's the patron of poetry, healing, and midwifery. She's also closely associated with the element of fire, and she's regarded as the guardian of home and hearth. Now, the ancient Celts actually believed this was a time, a really good time to read omens and predict the weather for the coming summer. And then... And this myth actually really reminds me of Groundhog Day here in the United States. Um, I'm not sure if anywhere else has Groundhog Day. That'd be interesting to find out. Um, but the ancient Celts believed that the Kaliech, Kaliech, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Probably not. That's okay. Um, a malicious creature in Irish folklore was the key to knowing whether they would have a good summer. According to the myth, the Kaliech would spend the day collecting firewood for herself if winter was to last a bit longer. The myth says that if on the day of Imolk the weather was clear and warm, winter would last longer because she needed good weather to collect the things necessary for a longer winter. If the day was rainy or cloudy or bad in any other way, summer would be coming sooner and the Kaliech had already packed herself up for the coming summer. 
So, um, if this episode goes live whenever I want it to, Imolk will have just passed. So, I want you guys to pay attention to how the weather was on Imolk. Um, so, I'm in the Northern Hemisphere. I live in Central Oregon. Um, sorry, Southern Hemisphere peoples. <laughs> um, but pay attention to what the weather was like on Imolk and see if you can find any corresponding trends to when summer starts in your area. So the correspondences and associations with Imolk are rebirth and renewal, purity, fertility, besoms, which are uh, ritual brooms, and the colors white, pink, yellow, and light green. There's a couple different ways that you can celebrate Imolk, and one of the most popular is actually making a Bridget's Cross. This decoration is widely believed to actually date farther back than the story of the Christian Saint Bridget. It's believed that the Bridget's Cross was hung on the door of a home to invoke the help of the goddess to protect the home from fire and disease. I've never made one myself, but if you'd like to make one for Imolk, I'm sure if you just go on YouTube or Google a Bridget's Cross, you can find a million different tutorials on how to do it. Another thing that you can do to celebrate Imolk is light candles in each room after dark, just for a little bit, to celebrate the sun's rebirth. And like, like most of the Sabbaths, one thing that you can do if you don't have any supplies or you're short on time is just go take a walk um, and look for the signs of spring in your area. Um, But be sure not to pick any flowers during this time because we actually want to encourage the growth and not snuff it out before it gets started. The next habit in line is Ostara. And Ostara in the Northern Hemisphere, it is celebrated um, between the dates of March 19th to March 22nd. And in the Southern Hemisphere, that date changes to September 20th to September 23rd, um, typically. And that's because Ostara is the spring equinox. So like Yule and the solstice, the date changes because it's literally an astronomical event. <clears throat> so Ostara is, celebrated, Ostara is celebrated as a time of balance as the days and nights are equal because it's an equinox. Um, But at Astara, the year is now, it's now waxing and the light has defeated the darkness and um, the days are longer and the nights are shorter. The promises of fertility and abundance are being, essentially being brought to fruition as we see herds giving birth to their off, herds giving birth to their offspring Um, and the production of food that we grow from the earth. The young lord and maiden celebrate their sacred union and the earth produces the necessities for physical life. So the origins of Ostara are widely debated with no one really knowing the true history behind the celebration. Um, We do know that the equinox was celebrated by many ancient peoples in the Indo-European and Near Eastern religions. Um, the Romans, Persians, and Babylonians actually began their calendar calendar year around this time. Um, some say that Ostara originated with a Germanic goddess, um, o- Oster, Oster, 
the goddess Oster is solely attested by a name by a man named Bede, um, uh, who is an English Benedictine Benedictine monk. Monk. Oh my gosh, guys, I can't talk. I'm so sorry. Um, he was an English Benedictine monk in his eighth century work called The Reckoning of Time. In in this in this book, he states that um, during Ostermonab, um, which is, I guess, the equivalent of April, pagan Anglo-Saxons held feasts in her honor, um, but the, the, the tradition had died out by Bede's time. Um, so, I mean, even though the historical origin of Ostara is debated, it's still... It's still a really wonderful, beautiful time to celebrate spring and really all of the life that spring brings with it. So the correspondences for Imolk are going to be new life. Um, any dairy foods. Uh, you got your spring flowers, your vegetables, and the colors of like pink, green, and yellow and just those colors of the beautiful flowers that really make you think, oh my gosh, it's spring. Spring is finally here. Uh, so to celebrate Imolk, you can start a garden if you have room. If you don't have room, maybe you have room for like a potted plant or you have a windowsill where you can plant, uh, put a flower in a pot. Um, you know, anything to really bring that, bring that new life into your, into your home, into your space. Um, as well as planting physical seeds and watching them bloom, really maybe plant some like metaphysical seeds, some spiritual seeds. Um, make a list of things that you really want to accomplish that pertain to anything that you care about. Um, and then, you know, keep this list close to you. Carry it, carry it with you, you know, in your wallet, in your purse, wherever, and reflect on your goals regularly, um, how you want to attain them, and really what you want to accomplish and how you're going to do it. The next Sabbath is Beltane. Beltane is celebrated in the Northern Hemisphere on May 1st and in the Southern Hemisphere on October 31st. Historically, Beltane was actually widely observed in Ireland and Scotland and in the Isle of Man. And it's one of the four Celtic fire festivals. It's actually a pretty important day. Um, the mention of Beltane, it actually goes back to some of the earliest Irish literature. And it's also associated with a lot of important Irish mythology. Uh, this time of the year, it, um, it actually it marks the beginning of summer and has a lot of historical references. Historically, this is the time, you know, when the cattle were driven out to their summer pastures. Traditionally and historically, rituals were performed to protect the cattle, um, crops, people, and to ensure growth. And since it was a fire festival, it wouldn't be a fire festival without a bonfire. Uh, bonfires were lit and... And the, the whole village or the whole town would actually take part in the festivities. The festivities included walking or walking around or between two bonfires. 
because the flame, smoke, and ashes of the Beltane fire were said to have protective properties. Um, there's even stories of people leaping over the bonfire, <clears throat> which I don't recommend. It's not very safe. <laughs> um, all hearth fires were put out and then they were actually rekindled with the Beltane fire. Um, and they did this essentially to, to bring the luck and protection of Beltane of that, that bonfire into their homes. Now today, bonfires still play a large part in the celebration. Um, we don't often see the large bonfires from history, but we still have that fire celebration. Uh, the meaning of Beltane in Wicca is it's largely the same as the ancient Celtic practice, but our, our god and goddess play their roles as well. The maiden goddess has reached her fullness, the young lord wins her hand, um, and together they join in their sacred marriage and consummation. Um, in Wicca, Beltane is another one of those sabbats that is about fertility, um, joy, vitality, passion, love, and lust. Lots of lust, <laughs> especially historically. Um, but but nowadays, uh, Beltane is more of a time for really reflecting on your passions, your relationships, and protecting what's yours. Uh, traditionally, uh, Beltane was, it was the time of the union between the god and goddess, as well as between couples. Uh, it was it was a time of hand fasting, commitment, and deep love. All the love. Um, even today, it's, it's still a time of union between the god and goddess. Uh, and we, you know, we recognize that any gender or sex or lack thereof can join in whatever union they see fit. And since it's the, since it's a day of commitment and, and deep love, the spiritual connection between two people is really strengthened at this time because it's a time of hand fastings and marriages. I mean, even, even in the modern age, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people get married in May and June. I mean, my parents got married in June. I know Beltane's in May, but it's close enough, right? <laughs> I think my parents got married in June. I think it's June 1st. Anyways, um, the spiritual connections, the um, the bond is really strengthened, especially if you get married on Beltane, because of the the spiritual meaning of the season and the saying of vows on this day um, and making your commitments on this day. So the Beltane correspondences are going to be the bonfires, love and commitment, protection, sex, sensuality, passion, um, the colors red, yellow, and dark green. Now, there's some ways that you can celebrate Beltane. And the first one is, you know, have a bonfire. It doesn't have to be large um, or even really what you would traditionally call a bonfire. But the flame of the Beltane fire actually can provide powerful protection this time of year. Um, with your fire, you can do several things. If it's large enough, walk around it clockwise three times. 
And while you're doing this, ask for protection for yourself, your home, and your family. Um, You can do this in your head um, or out loud, whichever you're comfortable with. If the fire is not large enough, you can actually just write down the things that you would like to protect and burn the paper. If you have a fireplace, use a log from the Beltane fire to light a fire in your home for protection. Another thing you can do, if you'd like, is get married. Um, hand fastings were traditionally held this day, so it's actually the perfect day to join in spiritual and or legal matrimony. Um, and a hand fasting is it's a traditional pagan ceremony that joins two individuals together spiritually, and it can also be done in a legal sense. The next Sabbath that we're going to talk about is Litha, or Letha, and this is also called Midsummer. In the Northern Hemisphere, it's celebrated on June 20th or through June 22nd. Um, And then in the Southern Hemisphere, it is celebrated on December 20th um, through December 22nd. Uh, Not all of those days, obviously, um, but it is a solstice, so the the date varies. So Litha is actually the opposite of Yule. Uh, the days are growing shorter and the nights are getting longer. <clears throat> so where where Yule was the longest night of the year, Litha is actually the longest day. It was an important day of celebration in ancient cultures across the world and was actually used to predict a lot of different things. In ancient Egypt, it was thought that the celebration of the summer solstice was important because it could actually help predict the annual flooding of the River Nile. Ancient Northern and Central European pagans would celebrate the summer solstice with bonfires, as it was actually thought that bonfires would boost the energy of the sun for the remaining growing season and ensure a good fall harvest. So a lot of these historical traditions are actually continued today, mostly in Northern Europe. Um, We celebrate litho with maypoles and bonfires, flowers in our hair, um, spending the day in the sun. In Wicca, the god has actually reached his full strength, and it's shown intensely in some locations, depending on where you live, by the powerful rays of the sun over the next month or two. He knows that his intensity will be short-lived, and he gives everything that he's got, essentially, to Earth during this time. The goddess is full and pregnant this time of the year, um, which is evident in the fullness and abundance, abundance of life here on Earth. But she also knows that this time will soon be over and then the darkness will come again. So, although Litha is a time to celebrate the power of the sun and the god and goddess, it, it brings with it the ever-present whisper of darkness. However, it's, it's, not, it's not a dark day. It's not a somber day. It's not a day of mourning. Um, the sun has reached his peak, and with that, his power will begin to fade. And from this day forward, we know that the days are going to get shorter, the nights are going to get longer, But before all of this happens, we celebrate the prosperity that we have. So the correspondences for Litha are going to be, you know, flowers, more bonfires, because we pagans love our fires. 
we love our fires um the colors blue green yellow and purple um lots of dancing and feasting and festivities and then if you're going to make any food it should be with fresh fruits and vegetables that are in season for your area um, so to celebrate litha you can uh, harvest in your garden you can pick flowers um, and then of course you can have a bonfire if you haven't noticed we like our fires we like our bonfires um, it's the element that can create but it can also destroy um, but the litha bonfire serves to really strengthen the energy of the sun and um, let the god know that we are we are here and we are appreciative of all of the energy that he's like pouring down onto us and onto the earth so that so that we can have the food that we really need to sustain our lives. The next Sabbath is Lunasad or Lamas, depending on your tradition. In the Northern Hemisphere, this is celebrated on August 2nd, and in the Southern Hemisphere, it is celebrated on February 2nd. So this is actually the first of the three harvest festivals. So at the beginning of this episode, we talked about Samhain, and Samhain is the last of the harvest festivals, um, but Lunasad is the first. And it's the first harvest festival because it's this is the time when we first harvest the grains. Um, and we can really see the, f- the fruit of the union between the god and goddess. Um, and it, it's said that the word lamas actually comes from an old English word um, that I can't pronounce. That means a loaf mass. And it's highly connected to the harvesting of the grains and the feasts that were prepared during this time. Traditionally, um, this day was celebrated with the harvesting of the first grains and a feast. The ancient peoples actually, the ancient people, oh my god, the ancient peoples that celebrated this festival knew the, they knew the importance and we can, we can try to get back to that. So there, this Sabbath was actually, um, named after the god Lu and Lunasad actually, it, it marks the beginning of the sun's descent into darkness and the coming of winter. So, you know, the, the fruits of the harvest are celebrated. The fruits of the harvest are celebrated as the reward of the union um, between the god and goddess that we celebrated at Beltane. So, um, even though it's a time of celebration, it, it can also be a time of tension and uncertainty just because historically... Um, not not everything could be harvested at this time and everybody really knew that that winter was coming and they needed to they there was so much that needed to be done so that they could sustain themselves through the colder months uh so one of several historic sources for the four celtic fire festivals emol beltane lunasad and samhain is the early medieval irish tale of tolkmark and meyer um, or the wooing of Emmer. And it's part of something called the Ulster cycle. So in the form that we know it today, it was actually written in the 10th or 11th century, but it's, it's been said safe to assume that it's a lot older than, a lot older than that, basically. Um, then 
The tale narrates how the hero Kuholin is courting Emmer. He he gets several tasks to fulfill, one of them being that he has to go without sleep for a year. A whole year. Um, as Emmer utters her challenge, she names the four major points of the Irish Celtic year, as they're also mentioned in other Irish sources. Now, in doing this, she doesn't use the solar festivals, and she doesn't use the Christian ones, um, which were certainly well-known by... Um, they were well-known and established by the 10th century. Instead, Emmer chooses the first days of each season. Historically... Uh, the grain was cut and part of it was used for the feast. Another part of the first harvest was stored away to be used as seeds for the next harvest. So in this way, we can actually see how the idea of the life cycle plays a part in this Sabbath. Life as the growing grain, death as the harvesting of that grain, and rebirth as the seeds for the next harvest season. Also, Lunasad was actually historically a time for not only feasting, but religious ceremonies, ritual athletic games... Um, most notably the Teltian games, uh, matchmaking, and trading. The Teltian games were originally held as funeral games in honor of the, of the goddess Teltio, um, who is the mother goddess of the god Lu. According to the Libar Gabala, um, which is the Book of Invasions, also called the Book of Conquests, the goddess Teltio died of exhaust exhaustion, clearing the plains of Ireland to make the land available for farming. Tealti was the daughter of the King of Spain and the wife of the last Firbolg High King of Ireland. She survived the Tuatha de Danann invasion, but her husband did not. She later married the victorious leader of the invasion and became the foster mother of the deity Luke who proclaimed that the 1st of August would mark the festival of Lunasa in honor of his foster mother. Um, it, was, it was to be celebrated at Teltown as a funeral feast and sporting competition called the Onach Telton. Spectators could enjoy watching things like long jump, high jump, running, hurling, spear throwing, boxing, contests in sword fighting, archery, wrestling, swimming, and chariot and horse racing. Now, the games actually also included competitions in strategy, singing, dancing, storytelling, and crafts competitions for the goldsmiths, jewelers, weavers, and armorers. And those are my kinds of games. Like, don't sign me up for the sports. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, although the yearly staging of the Taltian games was interrupted several times um, by war or the threat of war, the apparent continuity attests to their importance to the people of Ireland. Now, in modern times, most of us don't grow our own food. So how then do we celebrate a harvest festival? If you think about it in more of a spiritual sense, um, you know, what sort of seeds did we sow in the spring? What do we, what do we need to finish? What do we want to finish before descending into the darkness of winter? Um, were we adequately prepared for this harvesting of our spiritual selves? Now at Lunasad, we we take in the the warmer rays. Of, we take in the warm rays of the sun, and we we know that that even though it's nice and warm now, and we're enjoying the celebrations and the festivities of the Sabbath, that winter is coming. 
you know, it's, it's part of the life cycle. Um, but we do know that we can get through them since they are part of the life cycle. Um, the God and goddess continue on their journey. They provide for us as their children and make sure that we have the tools that we need to continue on our spiritual path, as well as our experience here in the physical world. So some correspondences and associations for Lunasad are grains and um, harvests, apples and berries, sickles, corn dollies, cornucopias, um, games and crafting, and the colors yellow, brown, and orange. So one way that you can celebrate Lunasad is essentially, not really a celebration, but more of a spiritual practice. And that's just being mindful of what you're eating. If you harvest your own food, that's great. If you don't, though, try to get food that's really been locally grown and harvested, if you can. Um, give an offering to the god and goddess and thank them for their work. You know, don't sit in front of your TV or don't play with your phone while you eat. And really just be mindful when you eat and don't take the food in front of you for granted. Now, the last one that we're going to talk about here is um, Mabon. The Mabon is also known as the Autumn Equinox. It's celebrated anywhere between September 20th and 23rd in the Northern Hemisphere and March 19th to March 22nd in the Southern Hemisphere. And I realize as I'm, I'm talking about this, those days might be a little off. Um, you'll have to forgive me for that um, just because they are astronomical events and I'm trying to give a a good a good date range for for the equinoxes and the solstices um, but if you're looking to celebrate there there's a lot of resources online for when these particular astronomical events take place if you just just google them just google them <clears throat> um, so anyways um, Mabon is the the second of the three harvest festivals um, and since it's an equinox, it's also the time, um, since it's an equinox, it's also one of the times, uh, out of the year when day and night are equal in length and moving forward from Mavon, we start our, we start our yearly descent into darkness, um, into the dark half of the year. Now we don't know for sure where the name Mabon came from for this Sabbath. Uh, it was actually first used in the 1970s by Aidan Kelly, who was an American academic and poet, and he's actually been pretty influential to the neo-pagan movement. He stated that he was looking to different myths from Germanic and Gaelic literature and couldn't really find anything that rang true to the Sabbath, so he settled on the name Mabon from the story Mabon op Madron, which translates to Son of the Mother. Now, really, regardless of the name that the Sabbath was given, many Wiccans actually choose just to call the Sabbath the autumnal equinox, the autumn equinox, rather than Mabon. So at Mabon, the god is seen as the Ancient One, um, the wise man who is preparing for his death at Samhain to, to be reborn at Yule. The goddess also grows older and she's making preparations for the gods passing at Samhain and really withdrawing into herself and storing her strength uh, to give birth to the new god at Yule. Now at this time, things are sort of teetering on a balance 
and since you know day and night are equal in length here as well as life and death after Mabon that balance really shifts and the darkness takes hold and allows for the symbolic death of the earth that makes way for new life to be reborn again at Yule now since it's a time of balance we we really recognize here that aging is a part of the life cycle and and it's not one that's really talked about a lot you typically see um, birth life death rebirth not necessarily birth life aging death rebirth um, but Mabon is a common time to really honor the elders in our life and those that are less fortunate about fortunate than us um, as is common with most Wiccan Sabbaths, a feast is held with the produce of the season and a reflection really takes place among those in attendance. So some correspondences and associations with Mabon are balance and harmony, um, aging and the life cycle, cornucopias, apples, grains, corn, and the colors yellow, gold, orange, and brown. One thing that you can do easily to help, um, not to help, but to celebrate Mabon is really acts of gratitude and thanks. You know, gather up some non-perishable foods, take them to a local shelter or food bank, really share the wealth that you have if you're able, and, and give thanks on the Sabbath with those who might not be able to. Oh my gosh, guys, this episode was really, really long, um, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something, and I just want to remind everyone that all of this, all of the things that I talk about here on this podcast are going to vary greatly depending on if you're practicing solitary, um, if you're practicing with a coven, every tradition is different. And if you have other ways that you like to celebrate the Sabbaths or um, other uh, different meanings that you associated with the Sabbaths, I'd really love to hear them. I'm always looking for um, new information, new perspectives, and that sort of thing. Until next time. Bye. Please consider supporting this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com slash roundthecauldron. For questions, comments, concerns, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email at roundthecauldron at gmail.com. The music you hear in the introduction and the outro is called Night Owl by Broke for Free. It's used under a Creative Commons Attributions License.